next on Rugby Wrap-Up. It's all World 10s and Major League Rugby with the new L.A. Giltini coach, Alex Corbacero, and the world's most clever play-by-play man, Nick Heath. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig & Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, the Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better, and Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy talking rugby in Midtown Manhattan, and I have the pleasure of talking with two gentlemen in different spots of the globe. First off, Mr. Nick Heath, the world's most clever play-by-play man who was with us last week. He's calling in from the Bermuda Tens. And then none other than Alexander the Great, Mr. Alexander Corbacero, calling in, ladies and gentlemen, from England. Alex, first off. Hello and welcome. Hey, mate. I thought I'd join you in that uh, bold fraternity, uh, give you some solidarity on this show. Uh, I'm not bold. Such. I'm not bold. It's great to be here. What, you have the side? You have I'm the... just, I'm getting taller and my hair hasn't caught up yet. All right, and Nick, you're, you're, not, you're not sun poisoned. You look somewhat, you, you've been living responsibly down in, in Bermuda? Yeah, when you've got the sort of ginger colouring that I have, I tend to go for that kind of 1800s outlook of sunbathing, which is, you know, I can afford a house, so I stay inside. Hence, I've still got my beautiful olive white skin, my, my milky white skin. So, uh, yeah, me and Factor 50 are friends. I don't need a tan. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. I, I happen to be the honorary captain of the Irish tanning team. I have dual citizenship. Uh, Mr. Corbusiero. I sun in forever. You know, cancer, skin cancer, it just segues. It just rolls, right? Can we do that with cancer? Can we segue with cancer? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Let's do it. Because you're, you're, you're conquering it right now. Yeah, I'm in the middle of a battle. Um, I had my testicular cancer diagnosis almost a year ago now. I had the surgery, um, had some chemotherapy then, and was hoping it was behind me. But unfortunately, in uh, the summer, we found out that it spread to my lymph nodes and I literally just finished last week, nine weeks of chemotherapy and I am just regrouping, getting back, uh, getting back to feeling kind of semi-normal, light exercise and just, I got scan results, I got scans to do in a few weeks. I hope they give me some good results and I'm just trying to build my immune system back up so I can uh, go back out in the world at some point. I've been shielding for a while. Are there do's and don'ts right now of things that you're allowed to do and not allowed to do? Well, yeah, within reason. I think um, it's mainly that you have no immune system. Your white blood cell, your T cell count is very low. Um, so really, like obviously with COVID, usually you have to be kind of careful with germs and other people anyway. But in this sort of COVID era that we're in right now, you have to be extremely careful. Um, London and where we are right now is pretty in tier two. So there's not that many things I could be doing anyway. But just on a whole through the nine weeks, other than one or two small little trips. I haven't been anywhere other than the, the hospital or my house. So I've kind of just been resting up and hanging out here and I do my NBC shows from here. And so far I've just been kind of keeping busy and making plans for when I get back up and running and just, you know, staying present and enjoying the moments while I can as well. You have been on some programs and specifically everybody out there has to watch you on the good, the bad and the, and the ugly or the rugby Rugby, uh, yeah. Great show. Great show. You, you guys were great. I, I'm not going to try to follow that, right? No, it, yeah, I think that's the one to watch. If you want to know about my mindset, certain things I've experienced, what's been going on, my bomb with my family, dealing with all of this, 
that that's the one to watch. And also Sky Sports did quite a nice feature that they put out, Rupert Cox and did from Sky Sports with me and Abby and they put out, which was pretty good as well. And uh, if you want to support the cause, this is a no egos, just amigos, Team Corbs, which I know you're, you're, you're yeah, a fan I swear of. to God, the shirt was ordered. Check the orders. Tell them no. The orders. Honestly, we've been, over, we've been overwhelmed. Like, the response has been incredible. Um, and, you know, all the profits are going towards a, a research grant at the Urology Foundation in Tissica Cancer under the Team Corbs name. And um, I, I thought, you know, some people would buy shirts, but the amount we've actually uh, been inundated with, it, it's been incredible. And, and if anyone is delayed, I apologize. Uh, my friend, uh, one of my really good friends is running the store for me and, and he's doing the best he can, I promise. That's all good. That's all good. If you have a problem where you can't get people their t-shirts fast enough, that's a very good problem. And you'll be around a long time to do that. Now, let's segue to your positive gig. And I'm going to put the pressure on Nick here because he's been patiently waiting to ask the first question of the new scrum coach for the Los Angeles Guiltinis. Uh, when was your last scrum, Corbs? <laughs> uh, 2015, last World Cup warm-up before the World Cup. The gig is, is perfect for me, mate. I, I love coaching that. I, I've coach since I've been over here at Penn State. I've uh, built a relationship this season before COVID shut everything down with UCLA. I've also then done a little bit with the NOLA Gold, a little bit with the San Diego Legion in the early realms. And it's just one of my passions in the sport. I think it was one of my points of difference at the end of my career. Um, as an analyst, I've watched tons of rugby. I've just analyzed it through and through. I think I've got a very good understanding of how the full mechanics works, the little intricacies and the details that, that props have that define the small margins at the top level. And, and now I have an outlet to do it in sort of a week out, a week in, week out environment that also suits my schedule, my location. And on the big thing I'm excited with is to work with the academy, the youth in the area, and educate the scrum coaches and get really a good syllabus of, of how we teach those principles from a young age. Like that's really what excites me because that's an area I feel like I've always felt like I could impact USA Rugby is, is passing that knowledge on to, to the youth so it trickles its way through and, and helps that next crop of eagles be able to compete at the top level. Well, how excited are you to be actually being the player coach for when Joe Marler and Sinclair come over to take the front row with you? Yeah, I mean, the player coach, nah. I, I wish, I wish, like, you never know. If they're in an absolute pinch and you, ne you never know. I, I, if you'd asked me before I got diagnosed, I was feeling pretty good after COVID that if they needed a couple of games because of injuries or something, there might have been a call that I could have answered. But honestly, I'm going to coach it so good that those, they're going to have, the props are going to be great. And the young American props that we bring through or we have on the bench as well are going to be able to do a job. And, and that's really my goal there is to, to have that team stacked with American props that the, the international spots can be, be used and signed elsewhere. That's where I think is a point of difference that I can add is that over time, we won't need to recruit internationals. We'll have it in-house uh, U.S. props with, with, with high-level scrum ability. I like to that. be so good that the props that he's coached are ultimately, you know, clones of himself. And you've got two British and Irish Lions props going straight into MLR contests. It's, it's um, like, I won't be like Mr. Miyagi, mate. I won't be like Mr. Miyagi. I, got, I will find my Daniel signs and we'll be good. Yeah, like it. So, Nick, that, you know, it begs the question, who's he going to be coaching, Alex? I, I would love to tell you who I'm going to be coaching and I'm excited about a fair few names on that list. It's Dirty a, name. There's a, there's a good blend of, uh, as to quote Adam Fryer, uh, top international experienced talent and the best local talent around. And I think from November 1st, they're going to start dropping names. There's going to be some, 
eye-catching names and just some also good, well-recruited names. And we have some good, good U.S. talent as well. I think um, if we get it right, we have an exciting coaching group as well. I think we have a real good chance to sort of put out a product that's competitive in the MLR in year one. Well, I think, um, you know, a question for me, really, based on, on what I've witnessed working in Japan last year, following the USA Eagles and, and bits of what we're seeing at the World Tens is sort of how much of it is about getting the skills into these players, but how much of it is it about raising their rugby IQ so that it becomes about decision making as much as the dark arts within a scrum, but actually, you know, the decision making about what they're going to do to ride a tackle, to make that pass, to to just be able to play at that that extra level that, that reduces the errors. And and I think when you see players playing in European Cups and this sort of thing in, in Europe, the standard's getting ever higher. And I think we're seeing it in MLR, but uh, but that's obviously got to be a big part of the picture, right? Completely. That That is the goal. And, and I think really the, the area that, you know, MLR and we need to keep improving and, and keep is the information share from, from coaches, uh, you know, coming in and helping American coaches and grow and learn, but also the player group of, of having internationals and Americans co-mingling in these teams is to be able to, everyone can catch pass, you know, make right decisions at a certain intensity, but it's the ability to sort of make those decisions in split seconds, essential things, which defines the, the small margins at the top level. And that's what in MLR and everything we have to be, co- uh, be aiming for. And that's attention to detail. If we can all do that and all the MLR environments can do that, we're providing a much higher player pool for people like Gary Gold to go and select players that can take, make that next step. And I think, you know, the MLR came around in time for the World Cup and it was a benefit to Gary Gold. But let's do another four-year cycle and keep having this sort of machine rolling and see the intensity of where the players are at and what intensity they're able to play when they get to the big dances. And I, and I think really that, that's when you'll see the full impact is in another four years because MLR is going to have the bulk of the, U, of the U.S. team in their environment much more than the Eagles ever will. So that's where a lot of the gains need to be made. You got to love his enthusiasm, Nick. I mean, come on. I mean, the guy is just – but I, I keep saying, put it in the front row, Alex. Put it in the front row. I've, I've, I've climbed my mountains, you know, as much as I, it would be fun. It's not, it's not where my head's at. You know? Let it go, man. Let it go. You've got to be all in on those. You've got to be all in on those dreams. And I think I like, there was times maybe my ego wanted it to show I could still do it. And, and I do feel like I could still do some of it, but I don't want to go back to week in, week out rugby. I feel like I've done well to move past that in life, but I also feel like I have a lot that I've taken from my, my rugby career that I can still give back, especially in America. And that was really where this opportunity um, really sort of came for me. You know, I've done little bits here and there, but the fact that I get a, a position with a whole season to implement, yeah. you know, my understanding, my system. It's like real detail, rugby. It's, 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 it's being in that team environment again, but I actually don't have to take the hits anymore, and I'm pretty excited about it. That's a good thing, and they're going to be better off for it, for having you there. Uh, but before we take a quick break for commercial and come back and talk World Tens, just remind people where they can go for your online stuff at onlymotif.com forward slash team hyphen corpse is the best place. And I have a Just Giving page if you don't want a t-shirt, but you want to donate towards um, the research grant that I'm raising funds for. I'll be doing a few more challenges and different things as I get back up and running. But that's my goal is to put together enough funds that someone can do a PhD in certain areas of early diagnosis and maybe picking up a gene link because my, my dad had, had sickle cancer, my uncle had it, and now I have all had it in a similar age, Graham, and they still haven't been able to done the research to connect sort of a gene or something that people carry it so that really is probably where where i'm aiming is to try and help getting the diagnosis earlier so young men kind of maybe avoid going the chemo radiotherapy route and and worst case just have the surgery 
I think uh, you'll get no, no disagreements here from, from me and Nick. We are fully on board with that. I look forward to, to hopefully making a difference here in the long term and, you know, credit everyone around me for the support and the help and, you know, my fiance Abby, for helping me get this sort of, it was her idea to do the t-shirts and get the initiative started. So really, you know, I'm just grateful that uh, everyone's been on board and helping me do this. Sorry to interrupt, Matt, when you have these kind of things that are directed at something where a difference can be made. I mean, we've we've seen the BRCA1 gene that Angela, Angelina Jolie sort of ended up having breast cancer and talking about that. It's a, it's a gene mutation that was found a few years ago. And, you know, breast cancer went straight through my family, my aunts. Um, had a pretty torrid time with it, but now my sister, my cousins, everybody gets regularly scanned because they're known to be carriers and they are all living greater and longer lives as a result. So if you can find these things and these research grants can be given to them, you are literally saving lives. So it's, it's awesome, mate. No, thank you. I've got a younger brother and, and, and part of me is the motivation is to try and uh, make a dent or make an impact just in case there is something for him that there, there's a better path uh, for him after me. All right, fellas, on that note, we have to take a quick break. But we'll be right back with our segue of Mikey Teo and the MLR and World Tens right after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. Welcome back, Matt McCarthy, Nick Heath, and Alexander the Great Corbusero. And we are segueing, as promised, from talking MLR and the Guiltinis to the World Tens. And we were going to use, gentlemen, Mikey Teo, because for two reasons. A, he plays in the MLR, and my intelligence tells me that he is switching over to the Utah Warriors from the San Diego Legion, which is big news. I don't have it verified yet, so don't spread it around too far. But Mikey Teo is always playing rugby wherever rugby is to be played, sevens, fifteens, tens, and he is down here, Nick, and he is playing tens. And his rhinos at this taping are undefeated. They are an unbelievable uh, conclusion to our World 10 series. And when you've got a new product and you're bringing something Well, not new conclusion, to conclusion of first round. Well, yeah, sorry, conclusion round one. Um, yeah, when you've got a new market, uh, you know, a new product you're bringing to market, you, uh, it's very nice if you can get those kind of big moments to happen. And, and we got one at the weekend. Who knew that as we, as we worked the fixtures out and put the London Royals against the Rhinos as the last game uh, of our second day of round one on Monday, uh, that it would end up being the decided as to, you know, who was going to come out on top to be the only undefeated team uh, in the first sort of league round. So, uh, yeah, the Rhinos went five out of five. With uh, They were into injury time and did a pick and go all the way upfield. Mikey Teo passing left, passing right, every ruck, the whole way up the field. And uh, and then we had all sorts of drama with a captain's challenge, which we thought the try had been scored. Uh, and then they had to go for the conversion jeopardy, which is this new thing where you can choose whether you're taking a one, two, three or five point conversion. They were, they were one point behind. So then they went for the two pointer. We had everything. It was a so, brilliant way to round it off. For folks at home that haven't seen this, it doesn't matter where you score your try. Your, your try. It's not coming no. out on that angle. Instead, there are spots designated on the field. You can go for the one-pointer, you can go for the two-pointers, or you can go for a five-pointer. And Carl yeah. Mayer goes down in history as the first one to ever hit the five-pointer 
in the Bermuda. It's Ben. It's Ben Seema who actually goes down in history. Is in Other than Ben Seema, is Carl Mayer. All right, then I'll give you who's got the first try, Smarty Pants. I'm going with Dan Norton. Yep, you'll be spot on there, as if as if the history books couldn't have told you that uh, one of the world's best finishers wasn't going to be the first finisher at the World Ten. So yeah, he got the first goal for the London Royals. But would they have told you that he would have gotten chased down by his former teammate Mac Turner, who was supposed to be a coach? Well, there you go. That was an awful lot of fun as well, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, Matt Turner, player coach for the Phoenix. Uh, he ended up, yeah, letting Dan Norton run around him, and then he caught him up. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, it was, uh, there, was, there was a lot of entertainment. We're still learning our way through it. Conversion jeopardy, uh, as we're calling it, where you do. doesn't matter where you score. One point in front of the posts, two points from just a bit further back, three points from a bit further back wide out, or you go all the way back to halfway. I mean, we've started having a conversation that if you've got your Franz Staines and, and other people in the world, your Dan Carter and Johnny Wilkinson, wheel them out, give them a quarter of a million pound contract, tell them to come and play in the 2021 World 10 Series, and we'll give you seven points if you can kick it from your own 22. I mean, you know, let's, let, let, let's just rip it up now and, and, and keep reinventing. Or you bring out Jerome Kano and you tell him if he, if he does score under the post, then it triples the points for the kicker. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always that. Right. I mean, I think we're missing a point there. And then soon everybody's going to be gambling on the spot as the numbers rise for each conversion kick. You know, I got the whole thing worked out in my head. But what has been your takeaway as per the biggest surprise? Is it the Rhinos not on top of the table instead of the Royals right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we knew, I mean, almost going back to that rugby IQ piece we talked about earlier, we knew that the London Royals would have the ability to make decisions and finish well when they had possession. But in a lot of the games they played, they didn't have the ball as much as the opposition. They didn't have as much territory, but clearly they had the ability to finish. Um, the Rhinos were, you know, a slightly lesser known package and uh, we probably underestimated them. We probably, I wouldn't go as far to say as we disrespected them because we didn't, but perhaps we should have paid a bit more attention to uh, to their hunger, to the, to, the, to the sort of work that these athletes have been putting in together. They have a real camaraderie. They're here with, uh, they're, they're in this hotel that I'm in. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was brilliant to see them. Um, and uh, the likes of Patrick Regan, Englishman there, was really interesting. The likes of Eric Naposky, uh, who was pretty handy. Um, and uh, they have got something going on there. They had just enough of the forward effort, but then they had some key, off, key, key one-off runners that uh, were able to thump it up the field for them. And, and yeah, when they've got Carl Mayer on the side as well, who can thump over those, those five pointers, they're going to continue to be a, a side that's pretty hard to beat. And the different sides... You know, the Ohio, Aver Ohio Aviators, I'm having a hard time with the dentures today, folks, but the Ohio Aviators with the cool retro jerseys are an MLR all-star pack, front row, number, you know, one through eight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just, just to get the sort of a higher bit down, you now have, we're now calling them Ohio, because that's just an easier way of greeting anybody who works on the World 10 Series just now. Um, yeah, I mean, band back together, the butcher, Dylan Fawcett, coming <laughs> that's back with them. That's interesting, that is interesting. And, uh, and, and playing, um, they've, uh, we, we thought their forward dominance would, would have its impact. And certainly this power play of rolling subs really showed itself. There was a particular game, they kicked it into the corner, they changed five players, brought on the big lumps, uh, and then Rikert Hutting ended up being the guy to take the ball round the back of the line out and go over and it. That looked like a really forwards-based 15-style try. But then you've obviously got these other teams that are finding a little bit more space. I think we'll probably see teams start to maybe realize that a bit more of that 15s idea of 
putting a pod out wide to drag a few defenders in is worth doing. John Brake, former England Sevens man, who's the head coach of the London Royals, he was saying, actually, 10 players on this field, drift defence, is cutting down space. We thought there would be more space. So maybe some more kicking that'll drop a defender or two out of that defensive line, and maybe just a bit more of that, that, that familiar old phrase, earning the right to go wide. So ultimately, we need to draw in a few more defenders. So is, I think we're going to see teams review the tape and come back with a few new ideas. Is it is it... Every so iterate, every so often that you have to have a ginger coach for England in some capacity <laughs> because John Brake is right in there. And Alex, yeah. he's talking about, you know, the, 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 the Royals and maybe not spinning the ball as wide, but the weather has been horrific. And you know as well as anybody, on paper, it's a little bit different than when you get to the pitch. No, exactly. And I think you have to play the conditions. That's one of the factors of rugby. And that's why I quite like Ted's. It is a little bit of that hybrid of 15s that you, you do see some forward play. Um, I do think the pods, uh, the, the pods of, of three and the decision-making is a great way to go because, you know, even in 15s, that can break, create line breaks and create space. So I think you have to respect those as long as players are making decisions on the ball and it's not too sort of preempted or scripted to either go out the back or everything as well and, and all options are on. I, I, I'm quite a fan of the hybrid and the fact. I like the breakdown contest as well. Um, I think it's probably a little bit too fast for sort of players like myself, but I think it's kind of like a hooker sort of back row kind of hybrid is your front row sort of players. And then, and, and then you kind of go from there, but it, it, it's, it's exciting. And, and I played tens when I think it was last time I played when I was like 16, 17, it used to be a little bit of something in England in the summer, occasionally, like for the heavier lads, you didn't play the sevens tournaments. So they'd usually have tens as well at the same time. So to see it now being done, I think it's not a bad summer sport for, for, for the heavier guys on, on the pitch as well. Can't play sevens. And we do have a special guest calling in, the head coach of the undefeated Rhinos, Rhino Cumbrink. Let's bring him in. Coach, can you hear us? Let's see. I can't hear him either. Okay, well, try as we may. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to get Coach's audio to work. So let's do this. Uh, let's ask him some questions that he can answer with his hands, and then we'll agree to have him come back. How's that sound, everybody? Good? Okay, great. So we can have some fun with this, perhaps. Um, you nod. So or shake your head no as per the answer. You have players that are challenged with the waistline like Billy is and was talking about storing sandwiches in his hair. <laughs> All right. Okay. I don't, I don't know if this is going to work out much more than that unless you have a yes or no answer for him right now, guys. Unless, are you guys going to win the tournament? Oh, come on, coach. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you surprised by going undefeated after round one? <laughs> again, again, it's okay. All right. Okay, guys, you want to throw me a bone here? Help me out, Nick. You're creative, Alex. <laughs> uh, coach, are you in favor of this? Conversion Jeopardy, as they're calling it. He's I like because when you're asking him questions, you're kind of talking like he's foreign or something, like you're <laughs> slowing down a little, like so he can understand you. And it's like, no, no, no. Jesus, he can hear you. <laughs> Thumbs up or down, and you come back on the show when we have volume for you. Perfect. I was, could have been down. All right, so, Coach, we'll let you go. And uh, we'll, we'll stay with these guys and wrap things up. Thank you, sir. Okay, that was, that was, that's why we get the big bucks, right, guys? Alex, 
I know that Nick can attest to this because he, he witnessed it, but I wanted to get your take on this whole tens kind of thing when you have a guy like Will McGee at halftime beseeching his team to zero rucks, zero rucks in rugby, Alex. He's taking that Toulouse sort of mantra, isn't it? That no, no ruck, a ruck is a failure sort of thing. And uh, he wants to play a bit of joué, joué and, and keep the ball alive. And I guess as well with the new breakdown interpretations as well, especially in tens, uh, rucks are even a little bit more, uh, say, at risk of a, of a turnover. So, you know, I, I, I obviously I love to clear out a good old ruck every now and again, but... You know, who doesn't want to see a bit of UA if you could keep the ball alive and play properly? I just don't want to see it going backwards and sort of running back down the field to, to re-go as such. I think 10s is probably a little bit more of a hybrid than the 7s model where you, you sort of backtrack lows to come again, in, in my opinion. Did Healy of Phoenix win a contest or something? Was he supposed to be in the stands and then all of a sudden he was thrust on the pitch? <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? To anybody who doesn't quite know what Matt's referring to, uh, Phoenix are going to be welcoming back some Southern Kings boys, some uh, couple of little Lithuanian boys, Jonas Mikalsius, these sorts of fellows, a couple of Scots uh, for round two, but we needed to wait until a few of them had passed COVID protocols. So the call went out uh, to any of the Bermuda boys, Bermuda internationals uh, who might be able to dust the boots down. Um, and there was a brilliant moment where uh, basically Tom Healy, who was uh, one of the players from Bermuda, um, little thin, wiry fella, um, no hair like, uh, like you two gents. And he's there um, as scrum half. I found out um, he is 42 years of age. Uh, he's an Irish man, an accountant, um, he actually gave an extraordinary account of himself, bearing in mind that he looked like someone we'd, we'd, we'd grabbed out of a shopping queue to come and play a bit of tens. Um, and there's a moment where JP Doyle, who was our, one of our referees for the weekend, walked up to him, spotted him on the other side of the scrum before it went down and just said, oh, new boots, is it? And we thought maybe, maybe Mr. Healy had got out a pair of ridiculously flash boots for this big occasion, but it was the opposite. And we managed to get a little close up of his feet in the next minute. And it, they literally looked like a pair of 1988 Adidas <laughs> that he found down the back of the wardrobe. It was just beautiful, but it gave that picture of the fact that, that we've collared a few boys from Bermuda who were Did they tell him it was classics or did they tell him it was old boys? Well, who knows? I mean, the lovely thing is that there was just a nice touch of rugby about that. There was a, hey, do you mind, lads? We need a few people to make sure we can get this tournament on because, look, we're doing this in the time of COVID. The organisers are pretty transparent about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, he played really well. And uh, it was great to have someone like that there. And, uh, look, those, those boys will all have enjoyed a beer together afterwards. As we left the ground, the Phoenix boys were the last ones around one of the tables having a beer together. They all know each other from around here. And, uh, yeah, he has to interesting little point about him uh, he has to they have to officially put his job up every couple of years or every year because someone local is allowed to take it but i think he's been here for about 12 years so uh, they, all seem to, they all seem to be very happy with whatever job he's doing off the field and we all loved the job that he did on the field it was a you need to get story. you need to get his sunblock intel his his how he handles it and, and another couple of observations from my warped mind were uh i think is it Ross Neal, the, the, the large lad that's playing in the back line? He's got a little bit of um, Benedict Cumberbatch something going uh, yeah. on there. A little bit, right? Just yeah, a and little a little bit. bit of that sort of slightly floppy-haired fashion. Yeah, yeah. I can, yeah, I, can I mean, we can run that. with that we a had, little bit, right? And I like yeah, we the had call. Some, sorry, sorry to make it a, a conversation with a couple of men who are currently follically challenged. Um, one not by design, but uh, we had some very good hairstyles uh, over the course. We had Courtney Venar, um, who was sort of sporting a big 
shock effort for the Rhinos. And then we had Vili Tolutao, uh, who uh, also was there, I think, as you mentioned, sort of standing on the sidelines talking about the lunch falling out of his uh, fantastic Tongan hairstyle. His quote was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and other things. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, yeah, really? What, what's not to love? It's, it's not to love. All right. And, and there was another observation uh, that one of you guys in the booth, and I can't remember which one of it was, it said that, uh, oh, yeah. If he hits all the different spots for the conversions, he should get a banana. And I'm yes. thinking, Alex, this is another gambling situation here, right? The guy goes for all the different spots on the field to hit the conversion. His team gets another 50 points. Dang, we got sound effects. We have all kinds of stuff. You have fans on the sideline with the app voting up each lit spot that they have to kick from. That one's worth $2 million. That one's worth a million. If he misses it, we have to come up with a penalty. It's one of the interesting things, though, that's come out of the whole thing is that we've tried to make sure that we have a tone of voice in the coverage that just says, look, this is something new. This is something that we're trying and that the organisers want us to tell you they're trying and, and they believe in. Obviously, they're, you know, they've got big plans for 2021, but, but actually, you know, are you entertained? Uh, and, uh, and, and what do you make of it? And yeah, if you're being followed by the same people on Twitter or Instagram, there's a bit of an echo chamber. But a lot of the people seem to have, seem to have watched round one of the World 10 series and said, Actually, I was really entertained. And so, you know, we don't want to push the envelope too far in how much we change things, but a bit of conversion jeopardy, rolling subs, this type of stuff, changing the scores of, of penalties and drop goals down to two points to encourage more tries. Um, it, something came of it. We had some really nice close games and some, some magical moments. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to round two. I'm loving it. I'm watching rugby in Bermuda on ESPN Plus, and it's great. It's a pleasure to be here bringing it. Yeah, I want to thank you guys for your time and your patience. Uh, Mr. Alex Corbacero, Mr. Nick Heath, I'm Matt McCarthy from Midtown Manhattan, signing off for Rugby Round.